Welcome to the, the Midweek Debrief with your hosts, the London Bonnie and Scrambler of London. Welcome back, everyone, to episode five of the Midweek Debrief. Jed, how are you? All good, all good. Just uh, it's the first one back after our sort of Christmas and New Year break. Um, so we've got a lot to catch up on. Indeed. How was your Christmas? No, it was really good. I um, went back home, saw family, uh, saw some friends as well. Quite nice to have the catch up and also just to have the rest, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's been so nice. But saying that, I didn't really get any rest because I had some car trouble, of course, over the Christmas period when nothing was open, um, which sort of set things back a little bit for me. But What happened? Uh, so the, I've got a defender and... Uh, the alternator decided to resign after 20 years of service. Uh, so I was getting no charge on the battery. So as soon as th- uh, things opened on the 28th, managed to get the part, swap it over, had help from a good friend. And um, yeah, back in action, back up to London. And then uh, that sort of rolled on to other problems. But let's let's hear about your Christmas first. No, my, mine was really nice. I was outside of London. Um, so it was good to, good to get out and, and relax. Um, but yeah, just very chilled. Mm. Um, and then came back just before the new year so got the bikes running again and made sure yeah. it was always ticking over but how was you were riding on Christmas Day weren't you yes so in, I in thought, London in London so I thought because I only went down on Boxing Day to see family so I thought why not make the most of the quiet streets and get out in London on the probably the emptiest day of the year yeah and was so it empty it was empty it was I mean I didn't because this is this is another story but I didn't manage to get too far because my bike started having trouble as well so it's, all these things have happened to come at once um gosh but i did manage to get out for a ride and it was just surreal i mean the only thing that i could sort of compare it to would be the middle of lockdown Mm. i didn't have a bike in london back then i had a bicycle but just that emptiness just no one around no traffic was a pleasure happy days happy days awesome and so what was wrong with the bonnie well probably about 15 minutes into the journey i'd sort of got to around shoreditch and uh low rpm it started misfiring like really stuttering mm. um so i thought oh god this isn't good so my immediate thought was something electrical um so i managed to limp it home it would it would run fine above sort of 3000 rpm so it's only really low range uh it just didn't like it so got it home of course everything was closed so i couldn't order any parts so i started taking it apart after i came back from christmas and uh, took the carbs off took the spark plugs out cleaned everything put it back together still wasn't running right so I thought, well, it's got to be electrical. I checked my fuses and everything. So eventually I worked it back to the coil. So ordered a new ignition coil, put that in, and we're back in business. Luckily. Happy days. Or at least we thought we were. Well, we thought we were. Because um, we were going to go for a ride the other day. Yeah, so it was, well, it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, and we'd agreed a place to meet. I turn up. I'm waiting. I think, oh, gosh, where are you? <laughs> and then you, you, you call me. Say, oh, bike's not stars, it's misfiring, it? and um, and it sounded like the same problem. Well, I thought it was. I mean, it, it started running on one cylinder, so I'd pushed out the garage, fired it up, and it started fine. And it was ticking over, and all of a sudden, it just dropped to one. So I thought, oh, god, here we go. Um, so my next thought was maybe it's the HT lead. Mm. So I was giving it a wiggle, and it was making no difference. And it was sitting there just running on quite happily, running on one. And I had the, the sort of gardener from my apartment building chatting to me because he's into his bikes as well. So I was a bit distracted. So I phoned Jasper and I said, look, I'm going to be late. There's issues with the bike. I'm going to try to sort it now. 
so we had a bit of a discussion and then he eventually ended up coming to mine and in the time frame of him leaving central london riding out to me i managed to diagnose the issue and uh it was quite a simple one so i turn up and i'm ready to get my hands dirty let's take the tank off let's get stuck in and jed is he's come out of his apartment but he's waiting on the street helmet on gloves on ready to go and what was the problem i forgot to turn the fuel tap on yeah <laughs> so rookie mistake rookie mistake yeah, but at least uh, at least i had a, a nice ride there and back but um you know these things happen don't they yeah but before we knew what the issue was i was there thinking on the phone this is the bonnie it's, it's been too it's too good to be true because it's a high mileage machine it is and at some point it's going to have to show its age yeah well this is uh and that, and that leads us on, leads on to our to the, topic yeah exactly so what what do you think about about bike mileage do you because your bonnie's got what sixty thousand seventy thousand it's seventy thousand plus miles seventy thousand plus miles yeah it's it's done a leg and i think when it comes to cars people are quite accepting of high mileage yeah someone will buy a car with a hundred thousand miles and think yeah good to yeah. go my defender's got 170 odd thousand miles in it yeah and that'll just keep going as long as you keep the maintenance up i think that's the key to anything as long as you look after it, it'll look after you mm. um because it seems like <clears throat> in the bike world people will look at a bike with maybe 15,000 miles and think, wow, that's a bit high. It's high, yeah. But is it? Well, I think it, for me, I think it depends on what bike it is as well. Yeah. Because if you're looking at high-strung sports bikes, you're definitely not going to get the same mileage ever, or even a two-stroke. You're looking at rebuilds every definitely. few hundred miles. Um, so I think it really depends on the bike. But I think in the case of our bikes, that parallel twin is so understressed. Mm. I've seen a few examples and I've heard of a few examples that have just kept going and going and going up to I think there was one in the States that did uh, the Biltwell Desert Race oh um, yes and it had done over 100,000 miles which it's, for a bike is it's impressive it is impressive but the thing is is it impressive or is like is the fact that the bike has done 100,000 miles impressive or is it just impressive that someone's done that on a bike well, I think it's both because is it because for a car to do a hundred thousand miles, you wouldn't think that's impressive. You just think that's no. that's just a car. Exactly. But when you hear of a bike that's done a hundred thousand miles, you think, wow, that's impressive. That person has sat in that seat and done that. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get at is like, is is a hundred thousand miles on a bike that more impressive than a car? I would say so. And is it just that because of the culture of people don't ride bikes as much and it is therefore more impressive? Well, or, or is it that the, it's yeah, more of a, a feat point. of engineering for the engine to actually be able to do that? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think it's a feat for the bike to be able to do it itself, but I think also the person in the saddle. It's impressive. Because when you're riding a bike, something uh, I like to sort of look back at is when you're in a car, you can go from A to B and you can't remember any details of that journey. It's true. You almost switch off. It's true. On a bike, I feel like you remember every single detail of that ride. It's actually very interesting. I think only, only bikers will be able to resonate with that yeah. and, and know what that's like, where it's like, I can... I can recall a ride we had last summer and and bring up a detail. Yeah. And and chances are you'd remember it. Yeah, 100%. Whereas I can't even remember the last time I drove my car, even though it was a week ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't it, remember any details. Was it down in London? I guess can't remember. Like, it's weird, isn't you it? You just switch off in a you car. Do. You do. You must do. And when I'm driving, I always catch myself. I hate to say it, but you'll be at the wheel and you'll be holding the wheel with maybe one or two fingers yeah. and your mind does just wander. Yeah. And I get moments where I say, whoa, okay, back back in the world. And you've kind of 
you just drift down, away, don't you? you know, you've yeah. still been focused in a way. So, but that never happens on a bike. I've no. never caught myself going, whoa, okay, back in. It's That's always, it. always focused. So, yeah, if someone's done 100,000 miles on their own bike, I think that's that's really impressive. That's a really good effort. Because also you think about how many tyres they've been through, how many spark plugs they've been through, how many Just, oil yeah, changes they've had. The maintenance had. on that. Okay, so age of the bike versus the mileage is an interesting topic. It is interesting. So would you rather buy, okay, say you've got a 2020 Bonneville mm-hmm. with 10,000 miles, or a 2010 Bonneville with 2,000 miles. That's tricky. Uh, so, like, it, would you rather take the older bike with less mileage or the newer bike with higher mileage? I'd probably. And this, and this is assuming that the we don't know anything about maintenance. Okay, so we're just assuming that the bikes have been looked after at the same level. Yeah, and you're basically going for age versus mileage. I would probably. In that case, I'd probably go for the older bike because I think the older the bikes get, the more simpler they become. And with that, the maintenance is easier for you to do yourself. And you're not so reliant on plugging it into a computer or diagnostics to find out your issues. You can sort of just work your way through it. For me, that's how I feel. I mean, I might be a bit biased because my bike's carved, which is sort of the most basic form you can get. So as far as electrical issues for me go, they can be quite simple. There's only a few components that can go wrong, as <laughs> I've discovered recently. Fair enough. Okay, so you take the older bike with lower mileage. Yeah, then probably. Then the newer bike, assuming they're the same price as well. Yeah, probably. Okay, to spin it off again, what about a same year? So we're saying, let's say, um, a Honda Inline 4, like a sort of CBR 600 yeah. of 2020, okay. with the same mileage as a let's say a Ducati monster okay so 821 or something would you European versus Japanese does that play into it I think I'd I think I'd go Japanese and take Japanese yeah because you just know it's just going to be reliable yeah even though you've got different engine configurations and stuff and you know V-twins have a they're, they're known to be reliable but I just think I'd go Japanese all day long I think they just have that reputation. I don't know. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think um, they do have that reputation of being bulletproof. Um, and I think if you're if you're seeking out the highest mileage bike, chances yeah. are it's Japanese. Hundred percent. Like I've, I, sometimes I'll play around on Auto Trader and I'll I'll go through the filters and, and I'll and I'll go mileage anything above a hundred thousand and there's always like eight to ten bikes yeah. in there. And it's always like Honda Goldwing, Honda Goldwing, Honda Goldwing, and then some. Most of them being Japanese. But then there's always some rogue Aprilia RSV mill in there. <laughs> it's just done a ton of miles. Uh, yeah. And then um, I actually once saw someone had done a like one of those 125s. Like oh, yeah. The Mutt engine had done 100,000 miles. No way. So. Well, it, to be honest, <sighs> I believe that because all these people in the Far East that the majority of the bikes have these single cylinder 125 engines yeah. and they must they that's their main form of transport no you're right but even it, for their whole family sometimes yeah but it just seems like I don't know it, you'd, you, you'd think the Japanese bike is the is the one to go for but if you've bought a bike from new like say it is that Aprilia mm. and you buy it in 1996 or whenever and you are 
very careful with doing the oil changes at the right time and your the maintenance is it's kept up yeah is kept up then in theory there's no reason why it couldn't do it there isn't i think it's it's tricky because i know some of these bikes have like inherent problems yeah but it's i, I suppose yeah if you keep on top of the maintenance in theory nothing should go wrong yeah you're right because there are some bikes aren't there where they say at 40,000 miles like the swing arm kind of eats itself yeah you know, the, <laughs> the, exactly seconds. yeah but yeah if you've picked one that that doesn't have uh, some predisposition to to sort of kill itself then it should just it go should just keep going yeah and so i guess it's more of a question of of kind of upkeep because if you would you buy because i guess like sometimes when you buy like would you buy a bike that's got like maybe 20 or 30,000 miles and there's no service history yeah. Well, yeah, because you so. did actually. Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> I bought my Bonham on 60 or 1,000 with zero service history. I had no paperwork for it, nothing. I had the V5 and the, the most up-to-date MOT certificate. So I took a bit of a gamble. You could say in some instances I took a gamble. Um, but, I mean, I rode the thing back from the north of England for almost five hours, just motorway the whole way down and didn't miss a beat. And it's just, it just keeps going, keeps ticking along. I think eventually... Because, again, I don't know what engine work it's had done. It might have had a timing chain already. It might have had a clutch already. The engine has definitely been out of the bike because mm. the whole engine's been repainted. Mm. Um, but as far as the work that's been done to it, I have no idea. So it could need that doing soon. Which I think is, when bikes get to that high mileage, they will start needing major serviceable bits. Whether it's bottom end bearings or valves or guides or timing chains, whatever. Mm. I think you can keep a bike running for as long as you want it to but the the costs might eventually start building here's a question how long how many miles would a bike last if you did no maintenance so like let's assume you you change the tires because yeah you, you have know, to you need to keep it rolling let's assume you change the tires you kept putting fuel in it and you just rode it how long yeah, do you think the bike would last i think it depends on the bike and and this is like more focused on like the engine like assuming let's say you've you're, you you changed the chain when it had to like just keep those wheels turning and you just rode it and rode, rode it, it and yeah. rode it I think that's because I've heard of some bikes like I've heard of SV650s mm. that have just without any servicing they just keep going and going and up to like sort of 30,000 miles yeah because they say they're they're unkillable yeah and if it's you're, like those old Volvos yeah <laughs> true it's like if you try and destroy you it you just won't it, 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 it will keep running so it's an interesting question like when when one is so focused on you know because particularly those people that are looking to buy bikes it's like and, and you get obsessed with like what service history it has what's been done how you know where it's been and how it's been ridden yeah exactly and it's like the bike is is there to just to do what it's meant to do that's its job and as long as it hasn't been completely ragged should be fine yeah no i think so yeah no i think i think that's um did, did we did we wrap it up i don't know i mean this is is there anything else to mention on, no, on, on mileage i mean i can't think of um i can't think of any any issues i've had with with kind of mileage in the past no i mean i think i think it's subjective because i think if you it depends on what bike you're buying for me, if I was going to go out and buy a, a brand new bike or a newer bike, say it's 2018, 2019, I'd want to try and get as low mileage as possible. But uh, I just, any other reason, I, it just doesn't bother me. 
So why do you think, I mean, I guess the only other point to raise is like, why do you think there's such a stigma against mileage on bikes? Because there, there isn't that necessarily on cars. No, I think it's, I think it's just all put into people's heads. I don't know where mm. from, but I think some people get the idea they just assume that their bike hasn't got much more life left in it past a certain mileage point, which is a bit absurd. Do you think that? Would you rather buy? Would you rather buy a bike that's been ridden only on motorways or only in cities? That's a good question. Because they say motorway mileage is supposed to be easier on the engine. What do you think? Um, well, because I, I, yeah, I guess what you're comparing is like either it's sat at like four thousand revs its whole life, just going in pretty much a straight line, which has its, which wears it in some ways. Yes, but then you have the stop start. Yeah, the stop start. I think the stop start puts more stress on the engine because when you're accelerating and you're building that revs up every few minutes, that's more stress on the engine than it is just keeping a consistent RPM mm -hmm. for a long journey. So I think if a bike has been like a motorway hack its whole life, that that would almost be. It might look a bit more worn mm. because I think traffic stuff on the road has been yeah. exposed. And, but I think it would be definitely a better choice than something that's been ripped around a city. Do you remember when we were when we were riding up to the Malay Mall last summer yeah. and we were parked up in the service station? There was that Honda kind of CB9. Yeah, I remember like, it. So it was like a Hornet. Yeah. So we're sitting there having a kind of a bike to eat. We're having a break on the motorway, and this guy turns up and he and he pulls into the motorcycle bay on this Honda Inline Four from probably like 2005. Was it? It's yeah. like that kind of like quite plasticky. But still like a naked bike, so the engine was exposed, you could see it, and the whole thing was like pitted with corrosion. It was crusty, it was like white powdered aluminium corrosion, and it was... And the seat was like ripped, and the kind of the foam was looking all... Uh, but And all the clocks, everything was faded from yeah. the sun, and... The headlights were sort of yellow. The headlights were yellow, the chain looked okay, the tyres were kind of okay, but it just looked like it had done maybe 20 winters. Yeah, <laughs> um, without being without, covered. No, and I remember we we had a chat about it there and then because he went in to get his 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 cup of tea or whatever, and we were looking around it. We think, oh, that exhaust is. Oh. But then there's a level of appreciation you have for a machine like that. Yeah, it's like it looks like it hasn't been looked after, but I respect people that are willing to ride a bike like that. Yeah, and take it to the limit. Oh yeah. Then then it just be used once a year and sat no, in a garage and then going through owner. Well, exactly. Owner. Yeah. I mean, a bike should be ridden. And I think people, I know, I know a few people buy bikes and they will only take them out on the sunniest days. But I definitely appreciate a bike that's been properly ridden through like the whole year round. Definitely. Even if it looks like that. But then, so say, say for example, you were, not that you would buy that bike, but no. if you were buying that. See, I think I'd get put off by how awful it looks. Yeah, and the looks, uh, yeah. I don't know, it's like, Especially if you're going to use that on the motorway, it just looked like it was ready to kill him. Yeah. Like at <laughs> any point that the engine <laughs> casings could just kind of split open. You're not wrong. And so, but then I don't know because it's like a bike like that may have been like mechanically looked after incredibly well. Yeah. Just not cosmetically. And so it begs the question: It's like you could have a really new bike that is only running on like a little bit of oil, and that could be ready to kill you. Yeah. Whereas that his Honda that's all corroded and looks awful might actually be yeah. the safer option. Yeah, you definitely can't judge a book by its cover. So I guess it kind of goes to show that if you if you want a bike that's going to be high mileage, you're almost better off buying it new 
and and, and yeah. doing all the mileage yourself because then you know you have that peace of yeah, mind. Yeah, you know what what work's been done to it. You know that you've kept on top of the maintenance. There's no mysteries. Yeah, because if you're buying because anything secondhand, even if it's from a very credible source, you you never quite know. No, you don't. There's always that. You're always taking a gamble, I suppose. Mm. Um, but that comes with the the cost you'll be saving versus buying a new bike. True. Very true. So you just have to weigh up your options and see what works best for you. I think that's. Yeah, I think I think that sounds about right. Should we move on to the Q and A? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see what questions have been uh, sent in this week. In I fact, before we move on to the Q and A, shall we play this game? Go on. Let's so do it. so so we we had thought of a game. I don't know how we came up with it or quite what, but basically, it's like a we've both got a recording of a, a motorcycle's exhaust that we found online yeah. and we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to try and guess it so Jed will play his through the mic and I won't be able to see the screen or anything and I have to guess what bike it is and then maybe I mean, we'll see how hard it is I don't know you, if you've picked it out of so yeah I've got, I've got two I've got two recordings okay you've got two recordings so I've, I've got, got one yeah let's start with yours okay so we'll, we'll start with the easy one because this is the, the other one you know it's a bit obscure but okay here we go let's give this one a try reckon so it's definitely a v4 <laughs> agreed <laughs> agreed okay um okay it's got that kind of it's got that really kind of aggressive i think it's got to be an rsv4 or a tuono v4 is that is that your final answer um i know that it's an italian v4 it's between the panic i think the panigale has it's the slightly softer it's not quite that because that sounds like a proper death howl I think I'm going with the Aprilia V4. With the Aprilia? Yeah. You were on the money with the V4, but it is a Panigale. Oh, no! It has that okay. C-Project exhaust, so maybe that's why it's sounding a bit more aggressive. Ah, oh, gutting. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. We, we were close. We were close. That was very close. That was close. I'll give you that one. Okay, wait, let, let, me, let me play mine now, because this is a completely... I don't want to give anything away, but it's quite different. That's tricky. That's really tricky. Is that? Is that is that a single cylinder? Oh, is it a motocross bike? Okay, I'm, I'm not giving anything away yet. What are your in, What are your sort of initial thoughts? It sounds like a single. You reckon? I think so. Um. That was a really tricky one. Yeah, well, thing is, it's when you hear when you when you find out what it is, it's actually not that obscure. It's kind of obvious. Is it? Is it just like a? a but okay, a, l- hear the startup again. Okay, I think that's a single cylinder. Okay. Is it? Is it something like a Honda Civic? I'm telling. I'm telling you. I'll tell you now. It's not a single cylinder. It's not. It's not. Oh, so it must be a twin. Yeah. Or a triple. No, it's not a triple. It's a twin. Okay, I'll give you. Uh, would you like a clue? Give me a clue. Go on. Okay, your clue is your clue is uh, dad mode. Because uh, I could hear the whistle. Well, I. What do you think? My first thought when you say dad mode is a Triumph Tiger. That that would be that would be. But I. Is that mm. your final answer? Yeah, go on. Let's just go. Go. For okay, it. it's it's actually a GS. It's a GS. That is an R twelve fifty GS. 
Wow. So uh, that's you know, crazy. That I guess I guess that it, it's actually it's very hard when you can't see the bike. No. Um. So yeah, but the thing is. If I'd done dad, but I... Oh, oh on to the next one. <laughs> okay, go on. Let's say the next. I've already... That already sounds like a, a Yamaha startup. Okay, go Starting on. motor. Let's uh, bring it back. If, if it is... Oh, okay, no. Wait, can we hear this? Can we hear the startup one more, can, one more time? Yeah. I was busy chatting. Here we go. Okay, well, so it's an inline four. It's definitely a litre bike. It is, it's It's not a 600. Okay. I think. I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's It's some, I don't believe it's like a Honda Hornet or one of these smaller inline four, like naked bikes. I think yeah. that is an out and out race bike. Although, there's part of me that thinks it, it isn't because we've just had a Panigale from you. <laughs> but knowing you, you may have just gone for two two sports bikes. Um, do you know what I'm going to go with? Go on. I'm going to go out there and say Hayabusa. You reckon? Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yeah. That was an MT-09. No! Yeah. <laughs> that was an MT-09. You're joking. No, no, no. Because oh, when I initially heard the uh, the startup motion, I said Yam yeah. Yamaha. No, that was a really good guess. But then, okay, fair enough. MT-09. Okay, right, well, I'm zero for zero, zero for two, you're zero for one. Yeah. Um, we'll have to bring that back next week, and uh, I'm going to have to think more about... Yes, we have some more time to get some good exhaust. But the thing is, was that MT-09, did that have a, an aftermarket exhaust on it? It did. It definitely did. It so did, I, yeah. I think you have to state whether it has, has an end okay, on fine. it, because the, the, the stock MT-09 exhaust is much, more, is much more of a whistle. Yeah, no, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll state that next time. But... Yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm gutted with, with the loss, but I feel like I was half close on both. Well, yeah, I was miles off, but never mind. Right, Q&A time. Q&A, let's do it. Um, right, let's have a look at what we've got. We've got a ton of questions this week, so we've allocated a bit more time yeah. to get through them. Um, do you want to start it off? Yeah, go on. Okay, what is... This is from Data Council. Everyone has such strange usernames. It's really mm. Okay, good four to six hundred cc scrambler for a beginner. Ooh, is it? Is that? Are we talking like a modern classic scrambler or like? No, I, a, I think I think a modern classic. Yeah, not 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 four to six hundred. So I suppose in the four hundred category, there's. I think Mutt does. Does Mutt do a four hundred? Not yet. Not yet. But Herald do. Herald, it's Herald that do it. You think that brute? Yes. The Herald brute five hundred. <clears throat> um, and then Ducati. Do a four hundred oh, scrambler yes. donate. The uh, what is it called? Is is it called the sixty two or the four? Something like that. It's called. It's it's yeah. The Ducati scrambler. Is it the forty two? They they have one where they it's have like one, yeah. yeah okay. Um, as far as that that CC category, there's not many options, is there? I suppose there's the the Fantic Caballero yeah. five hundred. The CCM um, do a five hundred. CCM Spitfire. I think yeah, it could be a six hundred, but that's. I don't know if that's the best beginner bike. No. Um, I reckon you could argue that the the Kawasaki W650. Oh, yeah. Like the one Harry. That could be turned into a scrambler. Yeah, that's true. 
So I think they're a good. There's a few options there's out there. There's a few options. Yeah. But it's it's kind of a weird weird bracket that. There is, yeah. Because you're in between the, the small small and the big. Yeah. Um, what have you got? So I've got um, outside of uh, gloves and helmets, we're not always wearing protective jackets, trousers, or shoes. Why? That is from uh, the London Interceptor. London Interceptor. Um, great name. Um, it's a good question, actually. Um, I would say the short answer is if you're going to be using your bike every day, you know, not just for commuting, but jumping on up, jumping on it, jumping off it, going to events, doing this, doing yeah. that, running errands, you can't always be wearing your kit. No, you. I mean, there's a lot of places that don't accommodate for it. And if you're going somewhere, a shopping centre, for example, and you've got to carry your jacket and your helmet, you've got, you're just carrying this load of kit around with you, it just becomes a bit much. And yeah. I feel, especially around London, where most of the speed limits are between 20 and 30 miles an hour, you're, you're almost going the same speed as pedal bikes. Yeah. And 100%. they're in latex. Yeah, I think if it was... If we lived, if we lived rurally, and every ride we were doing was, was on a national speed limit oh, country road, then it would be Kevlar jeans all the time. Yeah. But I think, as you, you quite rightly say, in London, you can just kind of pushle about, and you, you know, even if you were to slide, like you've slid off. I've slid off going twenty five, thirty, yeah. and and the the difference between armored no, jeans. Just and, a, just, it's not a lot. I mean, this is terrible advice from a safety perspective <laughs> is. this is just the the, the honest truth this like, is how it is yeah so yeah that is that is the reason why but please don't don't take that as gospel yeah um okay here's one from roger um roger rrc why don't you get an r90 scrambler don't you think it's better than the triumph oh have you ridden one because i haven't ridden one i haven't ridden one but i am familiar with them i think the uh i do like the thought of shaft drive yeah just low maintenance i we've both ridden we both rode that r100 scrambler yes and the, i had my r100 yeah as i well. don't know if you can compare that to the r19 necessarily it's no. like saying have you ridden a, a triumph bonneva oh, I, I, i've ridden a, a desert sled from yeah, the 60s exactly um i'd but, like to try an urban gs yeah because i really like how those look i think they're probably great bikes yeah um is it better than a triumph I don't think I think I think it's about better or worse. I think um, I think they're probably both great bikes, but just slightly different. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I've also, seen some nice customs. There, there was a fuel did that custom. Yeah, beautiful. And it was a really nice bike. What have you got? So I have got. Um, what's your advice for aspiring moto content creators like myself? That's from the People's Rider. Oh, so actually, that's a really nice question. Um, kind of different. <clears throat> um, well, I mean. I don't really see myself as a kind of in a in a position to dish out advice no, necessarily. Do I. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind some advice. Um, no, I mean from my perspective, I guess you know when it comes to Instagram, being uh, consistent is important. Yeah. Consistency is key, I think. Find out, you know, post post what you enjoy, and chances are someone else will enjoy it, and then and then you're not kind of catering to what other people want. You're just posting what you find interesting and that's then it. other people can enjoy it. Because that's, I mean, all I did when I started out was just sharing what I enjoyed, which was riding around London. Definitely. And I think, and I, you know, also find a style of filming or find a style of shooting or find a style of riding that you think works for you and that you think is ever so slightly unique. Yeah. And, and, and kind of build off that. Be different. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think you know, just crack on. Yeah, and good luck. Yeah, really good luck. Um, it's good fun. Okay, here's one from M. Andrew. 
Mathna.Andrew. What's your favourite classic car? My favorite, That's a good question. I'm a huge car nut as much as I am a bike nut. So I, I could narrow it down to a five-car garage, but choosing just one, I'm quite torn between two. So my, my top two yeah. would be um, an AC Cobra. Oh, yeah. Um, something maybe just all black, but with the spoke wheels, with wire wheels. I really like that classic look. Um, or the other one that's at the top of my list is probably the Jaguar E-Type uh, low drag, which is it's mm. a coupe. They used it's a GT car. And um, yeah, I just have a thing for those. But especially the ones that are made, there's a company called Eagle E-Types. Oh, yeah. And they take basically all the old Jaguars and bring them into the 21st century with new brakes, new suspension, all new engine components. They're fuel injected. They're just the craziest cars, but the price is up there with the craftsmanship. So that's a dream for me, 100%. Yeah, fair enough. What I about mean, yours? Well, I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I'm split between, um, you know, most people's answer is, you know, Ferrari 250 GTO. Yeah. You know, the kind of the ultimate Ferrari. But I think that's too, it's too much of an easy answer. Um, and also there's part of me that also would just say Land Rover Series 1 Defender. Yeah. I actually just think it's a Very lovely cool car. car. And I think, you know, would I, if I could have one classic car, would I want something that would absolutely just fly along? I don't know. Maybe not. Mm. I think I'd want something that I could just sort of poodle around in. And yeah. Something that you can just sit there and really appreciate um, its age without having to be at 7,000 RPM. Yeah, <laughs> Not true. that you can't enjoy a Ferrari um, going slowly, but I, I just think having something like a, a Series 1 would be would be really fun. Oh, that's quite achievable. Yeah, or, or even a, a keeping, two, it to, or... keeping it to Triumph. You know, um, the Triumph Spitfire? Yeah. That little two-seater. Two yeah, I think they're really nice they're cars. cars. And when people get asked this question, they often just go with like the most expensive classic car out yeah. there. Yeah. But I just think... I quite like some of the more humble classic, classic cars. Mini. Yeah, classic huge man, Mark One Mini, hundred yeah. percent. Great car. So uh, yeah, but great question. That was Thanks a good question. That. So I've got a good one here from uh, Jack O'Neill, and it's a. Are you guys attending the full Malay Mile? Ah, uh, yes, indeed. We will be. We'll both be there. We couldn't not. <laughs> no, that's one event I'm not willing to miss. Yeah, no, we we will hundred percent be there. Um, and we'll look forward to meeting any of you there. Yeah, 100%. Um, will you be racing? Yes. Which Without one? question. Well, the Bonnie? Probably the Bonnie, yeah. The Bonnie. Happy days. And you on the Scrambler? Of course. Is the beach race happening first this year? Yes. It it's is good. Uh, good. Beginning of second week in May, I think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'm, yeah, can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Good event. We'll have to do, we'll maybe do an episode in the run up to it. Yeah. Talking about it and, you know. Something like that. Yeah, no, it'd be really good. Because it's too good not to discuss. Can't no, just mention no, 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 it in the Q&A. No. And then crack that on. I need the whole episode. Okay, here's one for you. What is the max speed of your Bonnie from Beslin? The max speed? Um, I mean, I've... From what I've heard, I've never taken it there. Right. Um, just because, you know, the wind's in your face, it's trying to pull you off the back of it. But I would say it would probably reach about 125. Yeah. Yeah, maybe with a, a good tailwind and a bit of a downhill, it might get to 130, but I think that's really pushing it. Yeah. They're just not built for top-end speed. They're, they're very talky machines. 
Yeah, they are. They're they're not slow, but they're not by bike standards. They're not quick. No. Um, and ours are very similar. Yeah, I get I get people messaging me sometimes saying, "Oh, why do you get a Triumph? It's so slow." And it's like, well, yeah, I get what they're saying. Um, you know, if they own a a liter bike or a, yeah, you know, then fair enough. It is it is slow, but it's not all about fast versus slow, no. it, is it? It's the experience yeah. that you have on it, and I think there's just for those kind of bikes it's just so cool to be behind the bars just cruising around town sunny mm. day you know yeah 100 percent. no love it you got one to finish us off yeah so let's see here so i've got quite a good well this is quite a big question oh no so it's from finest designs oh <laughs> what is it this week so it's the ultimate 10 bike garage <sighs> okay Right, so we're going to have to just like rattle them off. Yeah, go on. Okay, uh, we'll start with the the first three from a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah. So we'll do Triumph Scramble 900, Yamaha Tenere 700, and then we'll go with Yamaha R1. Yeah. That's three. We'll then go Vintage Desert Sled. Um, I'm then going to say Triumph Rocket 3. Yeah. Because I'll throw one in. Good choice. Um, I'm then going to take a something like a Husqvarna two-stroke maybe like a 350 mm-hmm. for enduro um i'm then saying a harley shovel head chopper yeah. so like a proper hardtail chopper so um yeah harley shovel head and then my final three would be i would have um one of those triumph i've already said desert sled so i can't i'm not gonna have two of those um, <laughs> you know, this is this is the dangerous thing. Isn't it? Um, I think I would say I'd quite like one of those first gen Honda monkey bikes, just yeah. like as a pure joke, yeah. <laughs> but also quite fun. Yeah. Um, and then my final two, um, I would have. Okay, so if I've got for fast bikes, okay, so I would have I'd have a twelve ninety Super Duke, yeah, just for pure kind of all out raucous adrenaline, yeah. Um. And then I would have a, and then also on the KTM line, K, um, KTM 690 SMCR Supermoto. That's and I feel like that up. just about covers the bases, although I haven't mentioned anything for like long distance. There's no touring. Oh no, the Tenere. The Tenere is okay, fine. Right. I'm happy with my list of 10, even though I've just come up with that now. <laughs> What's yours? Okay. So again, going off last week's first choice, I'd have my Bonnie, yep. the Tenere and R1M. Yep. First three. Then... I think the um, Urban GS. Oh, okay, cool. I yep. quite fancy one of those. Uh, yeah, like a '60s Triumph Desert Sled. It's got to be, got to be done. Yeah. Um, then I think something. I feel like something like a cafe, like a nice cafe racer. Yes. Maybe like an old Norton Commando or something. Oh yeah, perfect. With the polished alley tank. Perfect. Um, I'd have to have a. Uh, oh. I think a Ducati Street Fighter V4 oh, as my yes. pure adrenaline bike. Oh, yeah, that's a great bike. With the spoilers and everything. Um, then I think maybe... I think I'd chuck in a, a, a Scrambler 1200. Yeah, perfect. And then for my final two, I'd probably go... It's quite tricky. I think I'd have to get some kind of Harley, but it would be like a 1950s... Oh, like a panhead, like a panhead or something really yeah. old school, hardtail, big saddle, you know, that sort of. Um, and then my final bike, 
I what is the final the bike? The final bike. I think I'd have to go with something like maybe an inline four Jap. Maybe oh no, here we go. A Kawasaki H two. Okay. Just for yeah. Pure speed. Okay, fair enough. So for you've got there's quite a bit of pure speed in there. Between the R one M, the Street Fighter V four, and the H two, you've got plenty to choose lineup. from. Um, awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thanks for that bonkers question. Yeah. Um, cheers. Um, anything else to say? I think that's that's me done for the week. Awesome. See you guys next week. See you next week. Cheers.